we're gonna talk about something that's so important. It burns in my heart, it's been burning in my heart. It, it seems like at least the last four years and every year it doubles. And what burns in my heart is that Christ would be formed in you in such a way that you would know who you are in him. To be equipped to walk at this time in human history. This is your time, right? This is your season of life. And God has purposed for you. Well, first of all, he has no purpose, no plan for you to go backwards. No plan for you to suffer loss. The Bible says he always causes you to triumph. He always gives you the victory. But as New Testament believers, we have to exercise our right to walk in our victory because we have an enemy that tries to stop us. Now, he's defeated. We've been given all authority in the name of Jesus. He has none. But how many of you know he is a master deceiver? And, he, and all roads lead to him saying this to you. You know, I just don't know. Um, I don't think the word of God is going to work this time. And that's a lie. Because this is already settled. This is forever settled in heaven, forever stands in heaven. It's not subject to change. The question is, will you exercise your right to walk in it or not? Now, when you say you're right, don't, don't look at this wrong. I'm not talking about your right because you deserve it. No, no, it's all because of what Jesus did for us, right? He paid a price for that. So today we're going to start a series on the precious and the powerful blood of Jesus. The Lord told me that he's going to open up. So we're going to look at different scriptures and we're going to take our time. I mean, I've got, I've whittled it down to 20 pages of notes today. So, you know, obviously you're going to have to come back. So, um, you know, and, and by next week I'll have a lot more uh, because this subject is massive. But what God's going to do, if you'll just trust him and believe him for that, he's going to open up these scriptures and bring revelation knowledge to your heart of what the blood of Christ means in your life. In the blood of Christ is victory. It's healing. It's provision. Here's a big one. Your identity is in the blood of Christ. We talk about the blood of the cross. The word of God talks about it. The blood of his resurrection we are going to talk about what it meant when Jesus shed his blood for you and I. Because it's amazing. And I'm telling you, I believe this is a message that is going to help people awaken to righteousness. And walk in life fearless. Walk in life you in authority. Speaking the word of God over your life and your family and your situation. And you're going to see God do amazing things in your life. Hallelujah. Because he loves you. And he's already said that he wants to walk with you and bless you and, and be your God in every way. So let's jump off 1 Peter chapter 1. You guys ready? I could feel the hunger in this place. It's here every week. I love it. Hallelujah. You guys are fanatical. And uh, I, I love that. We are a fanatical fun, exciting church, aren't we? Hallelujah. Now, we're not Star Trek Christians, right? Boldly going where no one, including God, has ever gone before right now. No, we follow him. We follow him. I believe that, you know, in Proverbs, it says, uh, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart flow the issues of your life and the issues of your life, that Hebrew word means the boundaries of your life. So get ready because what God is going to do to your life, in, in your life in this series, if you'll have ears to hear, is he wants to expand your boundaries. He wants to expand them all the way to this. All things are possible to him who believes. So, so let's look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. 
for as much as you know. I love that. This is, this is something that we're to know. That you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. You couldn't buy salvation, right? These, these traditions, this conversation of who you think you are, none of that, you, were never, you never could be good enough, right? You weren't redeemed with those things. Verse 19, but you were redeemed. Now remember, the word redeemed means to literally pay a ransom and purchase someone out of something and put them somewhere else, put them into something else. And we know from Scripture that it cost Jesus. He didn't spill his blood. His life was not taken. No, he laid his life down and he shed his blood. Why? To pay the price. He took your place and he bought you out of the delegated influence of darkness. And he transferred you into the kingdom of God. That's where you are right now. Now you live in the world. But you live in the world, in the kingdom. You know, it's amazing how there's this, there's this overriding tendency, even in our country, but you see it all over the world, all throughout human history, of a, of a move towards lawlessness. Well, that's because Satan, the god of this world, that's who he is. But listen, you live in the kingdom in this world. So that means you have divine protection available to you, right? This means that when economies are going this way, you still will increase because you're in the kingdom. And it's not a light thing. It costs the very life blood of Jesus for you to be in the kingdom. And you're not under the delegated authority of darkness anymore. That means Satan does not dictate what your life will be. So that means if you see something in your life that doesn't add up to what God says your life is to be, right? Then you have authority in the name of Jesus to speak the word of God over that situation and God himself will watch over that and perform it and bring it in line. This is a powerful way to live. It says, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb, as of our precious blood of Christ, as of a Lamb without blemish and without spot. In other words, Christ redeemed you and I with something of Himself. What was that? His blood. It's amazing. So we have to know what this means. There's so much in the body of Christ where people don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus. But you know, if you really study faith, you know, we're faith family church. We talk a lot about faith, but you can't really talk about faith and confession without talking about the blood. It's a foundational piece. Because we're to have faith in the blood. To be honest with you, if you don't have a revelation of what the blood has meant to you, it's going to be real hard for you to walk in the faith of God because you won't trust him. In other words, Christ took something of himself to redeem you. His precious blood. What that means is now you are his. You're his. It's why he'll never leave you. He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. Isn't that amazing? You're going to see because of the blood of Jesus that you're unreprovable in his presence. That means God calls you in his presence not to just start beating you up about what you've done. No, no. No, the Bible says because of the blood, you're unreprovable in his presence. It's amazing. So many Christians walking around, looking at their behavior, thinking, man, God must be mad at me. 
I feel so much inner turmoil because of things that I'm doing that I know I'm not to do. Right? Some people just are walking in pride because they're given into their flesh and they don't even know because pride blinds you. If you're in pride in any way, you won't, you, you'll think other people are the problem. You'll think the church is the problem. You'll think your pastor's the problem. You know, well, if he just was, had no hair up here and had a beard, man, he'd really be anointed. I was given a prophetic word one day after church. Actually, it was a pathetic word. It had nothing to do with prophetic. But I was told that the reason why our church is not growing, and our church is growing, but the reason why it's just not where it's supposed to be is because I shaved my beard. I felt like telling the poor brother, I'm like, listen, dude, I couldn't grow a beard if I wanted to. And I don't want to. Usually by about five o'clock, I want to shave because I can't even stand feeling that stuff, right? It's so funny. But see, pride blinds you, and then this is what happens to the Christian. They're just in inner turmoil, but they don't know why. And they think, you know, really all roads, if they live there very long, they'll start questioning God. Why is he not moving? Why is he not And all the time, it's like God is moving. He's trying to move you to a position where he can actually come in and do something. So the blood takes care of all that. Wait till you see what the blood has done to purge your conscience from dead works. So many Christians have so many problems with sin. By the time we get done with this, you're going to look at sin and go, oh, that's ridiculous. Sin has no power over my life. I've given this this thing power, and it has no power. I love it. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 23. It says here, he goes on. So he starts out in verse 18 and 19. We've been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. And then it says here, look at this, being born again, not of corruptible seed. So we were redeemed by his blood. Now it's talking about, and we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What is the seed that we've been born again by? By the word of God, which what? Liveth and abideth forever. We're going to see that our redemption is an eternal redemption. It is the blood of his eternal covenant. So this is not, do you know, it'll never be over for you. To be honest with you, this is kind of dress rehearsal. And it's only going to get better from here. The path of the righteous increases more and more. I believe in the not-too-distant future, when the church age ends, we're going to hear a trumpet get raptured out of here, and then we're going to go, wow, this is increase. Right? But we'll be standing in the presence of God going, this is the most glorious thing I've ever seen in my life, but yet, for the first time, I kind of feel like I'm at home. Right? It's really amazing. Your future is bright, but not just bright when you get to heaven. No, 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 your future is bright right now in August of 2021. And God, he's already moved and provided everything, and now he stands looking eagerly at you to just open the door for him to move in your life. Whatever you're believing God for, I know this. He wants it more for you than even you want it. I love that. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. In other words, you and I were born naturally by our natural father's seed. Right? Does that make sense? You were born again spiritually by your heavenly Father's seed, which is the Word of God. You were born again that way. You have to, what's going to happen in this series is you're going to see some scriptures that you've read a million times, but it's going to, you're going to go deeper 
you today, as a child of God, are born of God. You're all his. Yeah, are you human? Yeah, you're part human. But you're not all human. Your spirit has been born and recreated in Christ. You are his child. You are a spirit being. The Bible says that we are a three-part being. We're a spirit. We live in a body. We possess a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. But you're a child of God. So jump over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. You guys doing okay this morning? I see a lot of smiles. I see some serious looks, but I know you. And it's like you people are like, okay, you're talking too fast. Slow down because I got to get this. You know, I know because of, I know my personality. Taking notes, I just want to write everything down. Realize with this, you won't be able to. But don't worry about that because more is being caught here than is being taught. There's Holy Spirit is imparting things into your spirit. It's not just what you're hearing. Now, if you want to get a lot out of this and really get all that God would have, you're going to have to go back and, and sit down on your computer or on your iPhone and, and have a pad of paper with your notes and your Bible and then listen and then stop it and then write stuff down. And then listen some more, stop it, underline in your Bible, you know, whatever. And as you do that, the Lord will literally make what's being taught here. It will become something that equips you in a major way to walk out God's plan for your life. You know, that's why uh, I tell tell people, if you can't come Wednesday night and you don't get in and listen to those messages, what you're doing, see, I'm your pastor It's not that I'm anything, but the office that I stand in will equip you to go do the work of the ministry. It'll equip you like nothing else. These messages are designed to build strength in you, to equip you to walk in your life right now. So if you are unable to come Wednesday night, man, get online, get a Bible, get a pad of paper, and listen to those messages. Because you don't want to miss. I, I can't tell you in almost 15 years of pastoring how many times I've talked with somebody and they're going through something and they're like, listen, can we talk about this? And many times I have to say, you know, we don't really need to. Because on Wednesday night, I'm teaching a whole series. There's 13 hours of teaching on that subject. That would be perfect for you to hear, right? So I want to encourage you in that. God wants to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to be the man and woman of God that he wants you to be, to to walk in the peace of God, to walk in the faith of God. So, so very important. It says here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk ye in him. This is, this is amazing. So if you've received Jesus as your Lord, the word of God is saying, walk in him. Right? This Greek word walk, it's the Greek word peri, peripateo. It literally means, it's the same as in Colossians 1.10. It means to walk forward one step at a time. And as you study the word of God, what that means is, You put the word of God first and you're meditating in the word and the Holy Spirit will open the word of God up on the inside of you to your spirit. We call that revelation knowledge. It becomes a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And so what happens is he reveals something about himself and then you progress one step. And then he reveals something else about himself and then you progress. That's peripateo. Those of you who are born again so walk in him one step at a time. Don't, don't get all stressed out that, oh man, I just got to know all this stuff. No, no, don't worry about that. You just work out what God's working in. He'll never overwhelm you, right? We're really good at overwhelming ourselves, aren't we? And Satan's really good at overwhelming us. And it says, how, now it's going to explain in verse 7 how to walk in him. We're to walk rooted 
and built up in him. Rooted means to cause to take root, to render firm, to establish. We're to be rooted and built up in him. We're to be, we're to be established in him. Well, we see in Isaiah 54, it says, in righteousness you'll be established. So how do you get established in him? You have to know that you have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You have to know who you are. And what that will do, it'll build you up in him. Rooted and built up in him and established. This, this Hebrew word, or I'm sorry, this Greek word, established. The Greek word literally means to, uh, to stabilize, to establish, and to make you firm. Everything God does in you is to make you firm, to make you stable. Have you ever been in an unstable environment? I remember when I was 15 years old. You know, we, we were living in a town in Illinois, and I had my own bedroom, and we lived in a house, and, uh, you know, just... Uh, my stepdad was, was, alcoholism was just, it was overtaking him. And so he and, he and my mom decided to buy a 35-foot travel trailer and move to a city, uh, Decatur, Illinois, um, so that he could be closer to work. You know, we were about 25 minutes away. He wanted to be five minutes away. So we sold our house. In, in, in this town in Illinois, and we moved to, in this, this trailer park, um, and I use that term, term loosely, it was, it was really, really dangerous, really, really bad. My first day of school, going to school as a sophomore, walking to school, I had two grown men bikers wanting to beat me up for money. And I literally had to deal with them in order to get them to go away. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm dead. Because I just, you know, the second day going to school, there they were again, and I hit one of them in the face with my history book as hard as I could. And then I just ran. Thank God they didn't have a gun. Or if they did, the Lord protected me. I don't know. You know, and so then I walked home, you know, I think six or seven miles around way because I'm scared now right I got in trouble at school because my history book they're like where's your history book well it's got blood all over it and there's pages everywhere right and I'm surely never going to go back that way again right and uh, and so walking home freaked out now why am I saying this I went from we lived in the city of Chicago and then because, my, because of my biological father, didn't know it, but he's in the mafia, so my mom was hiding. We moved to these small towns in Illinois. So I'm living in this small town. It's like Mayberry, you know, and I'm loving it. And it's just, wow, you know, safe and all this stuff. And I have a bedroom. I have a bedroom. It's an old house. It was built in like 1896. Then I had our, there was another bedroom in there. That was my Nerf basketball room. And, you know, I had the, the Nerf, uh, the door was eight feet high. The, the ceilings were like 10 or 12 feet high. I can't remember. So it was really old house. And uh, so, man, it was a great Nerf basketball arena. And, uh, you know, I had all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, I'm living in a 35-foot travel trailer. I, I mean, I'm 6'3". When I was 15 years old, guess how tall I was? I was 6'3". I could almost, I couldn't quite touch because it was eight feet wide. So I, I could almost touch both sides. Um, the ceiling, when I, if I were ever to walk from my bedroom, which was just in the open area, I didn't have a bedroom anymore, I had a couch. And you would pull the back of it down and make a bed so there's this big gap in between. And I could never lay straightened out because I'm 6'3 and this couch was a little bigger than a love seat. And that was my bedroom. And my mom and dad both smoked. So that was awesome, right? And uh, 
So anyway, if I if I'd get up, I'd have to be careful because if I stood up when I, the air conditioning unit was right there, I'd hit my head on it. And so, you know, a travel trailer is not made for Illinois. So I'm underneath this thing wrapping all the pipes with heat tape because winter's coming. And, and we've got some pretty rough neighbors. You know, it was pretty frequent to hear gunshots. And uh, why am I saying this? All of a sudden, no stability. Do you know that you and I, you were not made for not, not having stability? Do you know that God wants you to be stable? He wants you safe and stable. Right? Thank God I met this guy walking home that second day after I had that encounter with those two bikers. And, uh, you know, this guy was underneath a car fixing a car. Why am I telling you this story? Man. Fixing this car, and he's cussing, and he's upset. And so I, I bend down underneath the car, and I'm like, hey, man, I go, can I help you with something? I go, I don't, I'm not mechanical at all. But he was trying to put a transmission in himself. So I go, but I could, hold the, I could hold the transmission up underneath the car while you screw the thing in. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So, you know, I, I met him. Man, Pat and Tammy were their names. Never forget them. I need to look them up if I could find them. You know, I don't know what this guy was into. You know, but anyway, I was, I was instantly like their kid. You know, I walk in their house after we fix the car. And Tammy's like, hey. He goes, you know, uh, would you like a beer? I'm 15 years old. And, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't drink alcohol. And, and they're both like, what? Yeah, and, you know, and, and here I grew up in an alcoholic home, so I was up to here with alcohol, right? I know in high school I was invited to one party. And there was this one guy in my high school that got drunk. And when I'd get around drunk people, this evil Tony would show up. Because all I would see, because I dealt with my dad. And I literally took the guy in a bedroom, knocked him out, and that was the last party I ever went to because I felt so guilty because I was born again. Didn't know it, but I had all this inner turmoil, right? So, yeah, no, no. Well, well would you, you know, so then so she, brings out a, she brings out a joint and goes, hey, you want to smoke some weed with us? And I'm like, you know, I don't smoke weed. She's like, what? They're trying to be hospitable. Right? And, and, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't smoke weed, you know, and, and everything. And, and she goes, oh, well, okay. Well, then she lights it up, and Pat's like, to put, put that out. No, don't smoke that around him, because if his parents smell that on him. And he looks at me, and he goes, you know, I saw your dad the other day. I saw, I saw what he did. And, and, you know, it was my dad came home drunk one day, and I was doing some stuff outside, and my dad had grabbed me and threw me up against the trailer. And... Uh, and so, you know, that was the day that my stepdad and I had a talk. And after I beat his head into the trailer seven or eight times, no, I'm not proud of this. I told him, I said, you know, you could hit me all you want, but if you ever hit my mom, I'll kill you. This is your pastor. You visitors might want to run. The door's unlocked. I hope you look at me and go, man, if God could use this kid, this guy, right? He could do, I mean, and that is absolutely true. God turned my life right side up. Now, I was born again. Been saved since I was four and a half years old. I'd be embarrassed to bring friends by my house, right? You know, because I didn't want anybody to know where I lived because I just had, I mean, to me, when I, when I moved out on my own at 17 years old, I was renting a room. I thought, that, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I have a bedroom, right? Why am I saying all that? Somebody must need this. People are probably going, oh my gosh, honey, come here. Listen to this guy online, right? <laughs> no, stability. He wants you rooted in him, built up in him, and established in him. He wants stability in your life. But how do you do this? Rooted and built up in him and then established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding, overflowing therein with thanksgiving. In other words, how you stay full is you live a life of thanksgiving. I'm so thankful 
that God's hand was upon my life, all my life, he kept me out of stuff. In the midst of stuff, he saw me through. When I turned my back on him, he never turned his back on me. You know, until I was just a little bit older, man, I'm I'm telling you, the only thing I ever did right is I always ran back to him. Always ran back to the word. Always, always, always. And, And I'm so glad I did. So what this is saying is as you've received Christ through faith, so walk in him through faith. We have to lay this foundation because I'm telling you, when you start talking about the blood, it is so far beyond you have to receive what God is saying by faith. But we're not going to give our opinion. We're going to stick to what the word of God says. And the word of God will stretch you because his blood has done so much for you. I could tell you this, Satan does not ever want a believer to ever find out who they are in Christ. You are loved. Man, I could tell you this. I could tell you stories about being a young man and just feeling so messed up and yet God put all those pieces back together. Every one of them. And here's the thing. If he would do it for me, he'll do it for you. He knows right where you are today. He knows every secret sin. He knows everything about you that maybe other people don't know about you. And it doesn't move him at all. Because he sees you not as you seem. See, as your behavior might be, that's how you seem. He sees you how you really are. He sees you in Christ. He sees you through what the blood has done for you. That's the way God sees you. You know, the whole world, I mean, my license plate is hilarious. 3 John 2, beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It cracks me up. I pray for this, and it happens all the time. I mean, I'd say at least two times a week. Somebody will come up to me and say, 3 John 2, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's a Bible verse. And they're like, oh, you know, who, who is this guy? I'm like, oh, it's awesome. It's, it's really, I go, it's beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants to prosper you. And people will go from, to seriously, that's in the Bible? Because all they've been taught is God's out to get you. God took some town out with a tornado the other day. An act of God, and, and he's going to get you. And, and you know, I, I was even down in this one place, and I saw this one preacher preaching, you better turn or you're going to burn in hell forever. Is that a true statement? Yeah, hell's real. But, but God says it's the goodness, it's my goodness that leads people to change their mind. It's the love of God that compels people. God's not going to woo somebody with flames. He woos you with literally his love. Hallelujah. Are you living in the church age? The age of grace. Man, I used to love going into the Tijuana State Penitentiary. I used to love going into county jails. Because I would tell them, I'm like, listen, isn't it awesome that God is not accounting anybody's sin towards them right now so the mass murderer the only thing between him and salvation him and a holy god the only thing is jesus not his sin anymore god says nope during this church age i'm moving it out of the way isn't it amazing in your life doesn't matter what your past is your past is never to dictate your future i love it So let's go to Philemon chapter 1. Hallelujah. Man, I'm only on page one and a half. We'll just have to blame that on Mark Mason, Pastor Mark, you know. Right, it's just, it's fun to blame it on you, brother. I I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to blame it on you. I can't figure that out yet, but I'll... 
you know. Philemon chapter 1. If you have Philemon chapter 2, uh, you have a wrong Bible. So if you can't find out where it is, it's, it goes Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. Okay? It's just one chapter. We're going to look at verse 6. We're going to open this verse up to you a little bit. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The communication of our faith is to become effective. Anyone who's married, what's the number one challenge in marriage? Communication, says our marriage and family pastors, right? Yeah. Communication. Do you know, communication is the source of all intimacy. Right? All intimacy. The more you communicate, the more intimate. Right? Pastor Dave and I, we have meetings every day, right? We just have one-minute meetings. Our staff laughs at us, because what are we doing? Well, we're just hanging out. Right? We've had a lot of communication, so our level of intimacy is amazing. Right? We're great friends. Pastor Mark and I, wow, we've been walking a long, long time. Why is that? So communication. The enemy is always trying to come out after you and stop communication. Because he doesn't want you to learn how to communicate your faith. Because your faith becomes effective. So let's break this down a little more. That the communication, this Greek word means to share in, to fellowship with, to participate with. That the participation of your faith, that the sharing in of your faith, that the fellowshipping with your faith may become, this word become means to come into being, to begin to exist. I know, seriously. (laughs) That's right. See, ears to hear, right? May become, may, may literally begin to exist, what? Effectual. It means begin to work, begin to be active, to begin to be effective, to begin to be powerful. Your faith, we're talking about it's beginning to be effective. It's beginning to do things, to get powerful. It says of every, it said, how, how does all that happen? How does the communication of your faith, how does your faith become effective? How does it become powerful? It says it right here, by the acknowledging. This word acknowledging literally means by the full discernment because of your personal involvement. This would include your confession. This would include meditation. Your faith begins to work powerfully as you acknowledge. As you acknowledge what? Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So if you do not know every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus, your faith is not going to be effective. In other words, you could know all kinds of scriptures about healing, but never walk in it because you don't know who you are in Christ. And think about it. If you don't know who he is and what he's done for you and who you are in him, you won't be able, you don't know him, so you can't trust him. 
So you'll, you'll come and you'll hear these scriptures and you'll get excited for them. But if you hear them long enough and you're just excited and you walk in victory in theory, but you never experience victory, that gets pretty old. So what this whole series is going to be about is we're going to talk about every good thing in you in Christ. And it's going to cause your faith to go to a height that you've never seen before. One of the, well, let me just say this. Let me, let me read this in the Amplified. In the Amplified Classic Version, this is what this verse says. And I pray that the participation in and the sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. Here we go again. We're talking about the blood of Christ and now we're talking about the identification of us with Christ. The word identification, it literally means identical. We are, your, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is never to be in anything else. So this verse literally, if you take all the Greek words, you could read it like this. That the participation in and the sharing of your faith may come into being by recognizing and coming into full discernment of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So this is what we're talking about. We're going to take the word of God and I'm going to, we're going to just all trust the Holy Spirit to bring us into a full discernment of who we really are. Not who you think you are, but who you really are. Who God says you are. This verse is telling us that our faith is to become contagious. You know, the spirit of faith, it's not taught, it's caught. And you get it by being around people. It's my prayer that when people come around me long enough, it, it's that my faith is contagious. That my excitement for who God is, is contagious. How does that happen? By me coming to full discernment of who I am in Christ. Right? Causes me to love like he loves. Causes me to walk like he walks. No longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Every good thing that happens in my life, it's him. Everything. And I've been made that way, so it's awesome. Once you identify with your problem... If Satan could ever get you to identify with your problem, you lose your ability to change because you'll just say, this is just who I am. But boy, if you could identify with Christ, then every problem will bow to who you are in Christ because you will look at your behavior and you'll say, no, that is not who I am. And it will empower you to walk free. Boy, that's a principle all throughout the Pauline Revelation. This is so, so very important. In other words, church, from your pastor that loves you with his whole heart, more than you'll ever know, never let, the Lord spoke this to me years ago, never let your struggles become your identity. Don't ever let that happen. This is so, so very important. God has made you so much more. Well, I believe now we're ready to get to a foundational scripture. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So get ready because you're going to see. You've heard this scripture before just a few times, right? Like every time, like Zach's going, yeah, like every time I come to church, right? 
but we're going to see it in a, in a deeper way. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You guys doing okay? Man, I'm like preaching myself happy right now. I'm ready to scream and yell and dance and run and everything, but that might be a little funny looking, so I'll just keep preaching. It says, therefore, if any man, if any man, in other words, this is for every man, male and female, right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This word new means new in kind and new in quality. This Greek word creature means a new creation. It means an original form. There is only one of you. There's never been another one like you, and there will never be another one like you. You are literally one of a kind. When you got born again, you became a new creature. We've read this for years, and we've not hardly scratched the surface of what this means. You're a new creature. Now, and this is why we have trouble with this, because when you get born again, you're made a new spirit. He takes the old spirit man that you were, takes that away, it's gone forever, and he puts a brand new spirit in you, and you're brand new. You're a new creature. You've never existed before, but the problem is when you look in the mirror, your physical appearance doesn't change, except maybe you might have a smile on your face. You know, because there's a joy, there's a peace because of what's happened, but you still look the same. And if there's something about your appearance that you don't like, right? Oh man, you know, my right ear is a, a, a millionth of an inch higher than my left ear, right? Or I don't like certain things, it'll start messing with you and telling you you're not new. But you're new on the inside, and then here's the big one, your mind still has all those memories in it, all those old patterns of thinking. You remember every mistake you've ever made. You remember all your shortcomings, any detrimental thought processes, they're still there. So you think you're the same. And you read this scripture and you're like, well, I play church and so yeah, I'm a new creature. Right? We sing about it. I'm a new, new creature. Whatever that song is, right? <laughs> a new creation. Yeah, there. thank you, Alicia. Thank you for helping me. I'm a new creation. And people sit there and we sing that song, but we don't really understand. Because you're a new creation. And the Bible is massively, it just has massive amounts of information on what that means. Wow. You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. They're gone. The person that you were before you accepted Christ is, is gone. You'll never meet that person again. It's gone. He's gone. She's gone. Behold. In other words, God is saying, you've got to see this. Behold, all things are become new. In other words, God put into Christ everything that he wanted you to be. Everything that's in Christ now is in you. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. We're going to go through scripture after scripture. Everything. Jesus literally came to, to come to literally he took your spiritually dead life and all your sin, all the sickness, all the disease, all the poverty, all the result of the curse of the law. It was all laid on him and then he made you his righteousness, everything in him, everything in him is in you. And guess what? You're in him. So learning to see yourself in Christ, 
Learning to see yourself identified with him is what enables you to overcome every challenge of life. We have people in church, leaders who walk around with their chest out because I'm a pastor and I'm a man of God and I'm, you know, I'm way beyond a pastor. I'm a, I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I am a bishop. So I talk different. <laughs> and that's so sad because it limits that individual. Because his identity is in Christ. Now, is there anything wrong with those titles? No, they're great titles. Man, I know bishops. You meet them, and they're just the most genuine people in the world. They want to serve you. you would ne- they're not about titles. They're not about anything. They're just about, hey, I just, want, I just want people. I want to show people Jesus. I'm so glad what he's done for me. Then there's other people who are insecure, carnal, and not grown up, and they get into all this, I'm the man of God. Don't talk to me before a service because I'm anointed. And Brother, is the anointing that weak on you that if somebody says something to you, it's going to mess it up? Are you kidding me? You know, I come out with my four bodyguards when worship's almost done because I've been back there praying. Seriously? So, so why didn't you pray all week and then come and worship? Why wouldn't you do that? We just play church. It's so ridiculous, right? But you got to be careful with this stuff. Old things, I'm so glad old things are passed away and everything. I love the way it's worded too. All things are become new. You know what that means in the Greek? That means in July of 1966, Everything became new in my life. That means when I got up this morning, guess what? Everything is new. Three minutes from now, guess, oh yeah, guess what? Right now, everything is new in me. And oh, by the way, right now, I'm new. Are you getting it? He makes all things new. I love this. So that's why if you look at your Bible, you know that little book, In Him, it has in Christ, in whom, in him. There's like 130 statements in Pauline epistles. If you go Acts and you go all the way through, you'll see all these statements of who you are in Christ. There's actually about 35 that are very predominant ones. And boy, we need to meditate on those because that's who God made you. Look at... You're, you're in first or second Corinthians. Go back to first Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 17. I'm telling you, when the light goes on and you realize you are a new creation in Christ, you won't put up with stuff. It'll cause you to be passionate about what he's passionate about. You'll let go of all this me, 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 me stuff. I'm too tired, I'm too busy, I'm too this, I'm too that. No, you're too carnal. That's all it is. It's not even who you are, right? We're not here on this planet for us. We're here to be light. We're here to be a a resource and a pool a blessing for other people. And while we do that, God harvests into us, right? So, so listen, I'm not getting on anybody. You know, you peer into the word and make those adjustments. Don't keep doing the same thing that you're doing, you know, because we're to be light. Light, there's no variableness in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Wow. Now, are we saying that we're God? No, not at all. Thank God I'm not God. But guess what? I am his child. I'm made in his image. Everything that he has in him He's placed in me. Wow. Amplified version says this, but the person 
who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Wow. In other words, God did in Christ what he wants in every man. Wow. This is so important. I'm identified with Christ. Now, here's the thing. To be in Christ, where do you have to go? You have to go to the cross. Because that's where it all began. In April of AD 30 or 32, he hung on a cross. All my sin was condemned in his body. All my sickness and disease, he bore it and carried away. He was made poor on that cross so that me, through his poverty, might become rich, which means a full and overflowing supply. Right? The Lord's my shepherd. Goes on to say, my cup runs over. I'm not full, I run over. Why? Because I'm not here for me. He wants me full, and he wants all the overflow for me to just splash on everybody else. And there's plenty to go along. Plenty, plenty to go along for everyone. See, if you look at the other religions of the world, other religions of the world will give you lessons. Jesus came and gave you his life. That's the difference. He literally said, listen, Pastor Torian, I want you to have my life. Now you're going to have to give me your life. And when when Pastor Torian did that, literally he was made the very righteousness of God. Everything that was in Christ was in him now. He became joined to the Lord. He's now one spirit with the living God. Wow. No wonder why God could say, I'll never leave you, I'll never fail you, I'll never forsake you. You're one with him. Right? He doesn't jump off your car when you're going down Dodge and you hit 56 miles an hour. Right? If you go to places you shouldn't be going and you know it, he doesn't leave you. Now his presence might not be known to you, but he's still there. Right? And he'll woo you out of those places. Romans chapter 6. Let's look at this one. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Hallelujah. Just a little bit more. I was hoping to get further. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go back there again. Let's just look at verse 21. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, it's, he's explaining now, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, verse 17. Now in verse 21, he's explaining it. For he, talking about God the Father, hath, past tense, made him Jesus. And this Greek word means made him to bear What did he bear? Sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 17 and verse 18, it says it this way, talking about the same thing. It says, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And then it says this, Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Now, where remission, remission, remember this word, because it's it's used a lot. It's, It's the Greek word, Apollo trusis. I'm probably not saying that great. Apollo trusis. It literally main, means the releasing affected by a payment of a ransom. It literally means for, now this is, it's more than forgiveness. And this is what the blood has done for you. And this is what I want to kind of finish up today. Remission is more than forgiveness. It means forgiveness, but it also means a cancellation of the penalty. So not only have you been forgiven, but the penalty 
of your sin has been canceled and you got to go to the third part and it means a removal of the guilt and shame associated with it. And that's why, see, this is why we need to teach on the blood. Because there's so much shame and guilt and condemnation in the church, in wonderful people. Now we have others that have gone too far in this, and there's no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. They're just in pride, they're carnal, and, they're, and they think they're okay and they're really not. Well, well the blood will help this. Because you'll come to a revelation, wow, I was guilty and now there's no guilt. So it's not only forgiveness, the blood did this. It didn't only forgive you, it canceled the penalty and the blood removes the guilt and the shame. That's what we're talking about. In other words, Jesus, it says he went to the cross, he despised the shame. That word despised means he tread underfoot the shame. He not only died for your sin, he died for the shame of it. And the blood will purge your conscience from guilt and shame and sin. And we need that. In other words, Jesus took your condition. His blood so completely changed us that there is no longer any evidence of Adam. The whole Bible is about two men. Adam, which is the old man. Jesus, who is the new man. Everything God did in Jesus completely eradicates everything that Satan did through Adam. So now the blood so completely changed us, there's no more evidence in us of Adam. So you could say, but pastor, I feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the word will rip that out. Because you're free. There's no evidence. If you were to look at your spirit, there is literally no evidence of Adam, of the fall, of anything. Your spirit is perfect, even as your father is perfect. Everybody's looking at the church on when Jesus is going to come back. But you can't look at the church. The Bible says, look at Israel. Look at Jerusalem. Why? You, you can't, well, well, Jesus can't come back because he's coming back from a glorious church. Are you born again? You're glorious. You just need to find that out. You're perfect. This is going to be amazing when you see this because this is how you walk free from that junk, sin habits and all that junk. This is how you walk free from detrimental thought processes that are eating your lunch, unforgiveness, all the fear, anxiety, worry, terror. This is how you walk above and free from all of it, is realizing, wait a minute, I've been made a new creature. The blood of Jesus silences the voice of sin and the voice of condemnation and guilt and shame. There is not one thing in me that the blood of Jesus has not cleansed. You know who said that? Smith Wigglesworth. What a great confession. When you mess up, you should stand up and say, Father, I thank you that there is not one thing in me that your blood has not cleansed. That's the, that's the way you walk holy before God. Satan is very afraid that you're going to find out what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He's shaking right now, and he's only going to shake more. I have been redeemed by his blood. I have faith in his blood. I rest my case in the blood of Christ. Right? This is our, this is our confession his blood, in other words, produces a perfect righteousness. God's, God looks at you today as if sin never has existed in your life. Boy, you got to say that to yourself. I mean, how many times? I don't know, a lot. Because we still, yeah, but pastor, I know it's not about you. 
The power of sin is broken. Sin consciousness is broken. Guilt and shame is broken. The blood of Christ produces a righteousness that breaks depression. It breaks shame. It breaks guilt. It breaks everything that would mess with your life and mess with your mind. I'm telling you, this series has a lot of mind renewal in it. And I believe we're going to see these things. We're going to see the significance of the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Man, praise be to his name. Hallelujah.